Parents, welcome to another episode of The Journey, a podcast intended to educate, equip, and entertain you as we talk about important issues facing our families. PCA is a Christ-centered, biblically-based, and family-focused community of committed believers doing life together. We hope the information you hear on this podcast informs and inspires you to be a better parent. Welcome to The Journey. Hey parents, this is Dan Benetti. I'm excited to share an interview I recently had with my good friend, Dr. Joe McElhaney, but also wanted to warn you that the information that Dr. McElhaney is sharing is sexually graphic in nature and not suitable for a younger audience. Dr. Joe is an amazing man who God has used in incredible ways to battle against the world system that continues to promote the idea that sex is an individual choice and has no consequences if done safely. The information that Dr. Joe shares in this episode is medically, scientifically, and biblically based. And after listening to this, I would highly recommend that you get his outstanding book with even more information called Hooked, the new science on how casual sex is affecting our children. I'll put a link in the show notes. Again, this information is essential for every parent raising children in this culture. And I hope that you listen and share this episode with other parents. Just one last reminder that Dr. Joe is going to share some hard truths in a straightforward medical terms. He doesn't pull any punches. This episode is intended for adults. Here's my interview with Dr. Joe McElhaney. All right, parents, welcome back to The Journey. This is Dan Panetti. I've got um, a longtime friend, Dr. Joe McElhaney, with me, um, and we met when we were down in Austin. Uh, You were running the Medical Institute for Sexual Health. Yes. Um, I was a a law student um, at the University of Texas School of Law. (laughs) We were talking a few years ago. (laughs) We are talking a long time ago. Um, But it was amazing, the the work that you were doing um, and, and, uh, and just as I watched and paid attention to what you were doing, and I really began to realize um, that this conversation was so important about um, human sexuality and the information that was getting to our students. Um, I learned about the Guttmacher Institute Mm -hmm. and how Planned Parenthood was giving information to young people that was, uh, in a sense, not necessarily just false, but misleading. And they not, were the dominant message yeah, to young and, people. And not, not the whole story. Yeah. Um, and so um, I love the work that you do. I'm glad you're up here in Plano now. And so um, I thought I'd just take a, a few minutes of your time and, and talk to you about the work that you've done. And then an incredible book that you wrote um, that parents, if you're raising a daughter, um, it is on the must read book list. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that. So Dr. Joe, Thank welcome. You. Thank you, Dan. Yes. So glad to be here. Tell, tell the parents a little bit about your background. Now, I know we talked about your age. You're um, a little bit older than I am. I'm not hiding the fact that I'm 87, Dan. <laughs> it probably makes people just hang up here. But. Yeah, exactly. Oh. <laughs> no, but it's, it's 87 years of wisdom and experience. Uh-huh. So that's, that's good. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, just kind of give us a little background on kind of how you got into becoming somebody that spent so much time dealing with um, human sexuality mm-hmm. and, and just kind of the, the um, STD. I mean, a lot of the information in the research that you've done, most people would be like, oh, I don't want to be a part of that. How did you get into it? Well, for one thing, it's cost me a whole lot because I was practicing medicine in Austin. Mm-hmm. Uh, I began, my, my work was infertility, but we didn't have reproductive endocrinologists back when I started practice in 68. Uh, and so I was, in a sense, the in, the infertility doctor mm-hmm. in Austin. 
we uh, got this technique called laparoscopy that came along. Today, it's just common uh, care for people, but but back then it was brand new. Mm-hmm. So we'd laparoscope the infertility patients, and and if it was the woman that was infertile, in the couple, the most common reason for her to be infertile was damage to her fallopian tubes. So we'd laparoscope these ladies to see why they couldn't get pregnant. We'd see their fallopian tubes look like glue had been poured all over them. Mm. It was from an infection from usually chlamydia, the people that could afford infertility care, a sexually transmitted disease that has no symptoms in a lot of young women. And so they would have sex back in high school or college. They would uh, get infected, not know it, end up getting married, couldn't get pregnant, come in and see me or other, other infertility doctors to see why. And here was the problem. Um, Nobody was talking. We were going. We I started that in vitro fertilization program in Austin along with three other docs, and we were going to these high tech meetings, learning learning how to do all this technology. And we were really, including me, we were excited about it. Uh, and not once was there a paper on prevention. And everyone, all these doctors, knew what was causing yes. the need for in vitro because there wasn't any other treatment really for that kind of damage to these ladies' fallopian tubes. So. I started uh, doing some lectures, did some, got some materials together, some slides, uh, and started, uh, and then, okay, uh, I wrote a book that included a big chapter on that, and Jim Dobson got me on his program, and we recorded 11 programs that very first time. He said it's the most programs he ever recorded with anybody. Yeah. I actually, I actually these, heard, I've heard those programs. Have you really? I've heard you on, yeah, Focus on the Family with Dobson. Yeah, well, when we, uh, when we sat down to do that, he had seen my book. Mm-hmm. I, I wrote this book called 1,250 Healthcare Questions Women Ask, and so he asked me to be on his show. He said, are you ready for your life to change? Oh, boy. I was just a doctor practicing medicine in Austin. Yeah. At any rate, uh, they played this, the, those tapes about STD, about infertility, about cancer of the cervix from HPV on that program over and over again. So I started getting calls from all over the country. Sure. Look, I'm an infertility doc. I'm getting these calls about STD and stuff like that. Uh, so I started a nonprofit called the Medical Institute for Sexual Health mm-hmm. just to distribute this information right. so I could get back to my practice. Well, all that did was make me sound like a national expert on STDs. Uh, and so, anyway, I started, the man. The, I started the organization in 92, left practice in 95 to run that full okay. time. Yeah. Now, look, here's the deal, Dan. I had three daughters, had a wife I just love. She died of Alzheimer's four years ago, but I just love that woman. She's so sweet, and she changed my life in a lot of ways. Love my daughters. Um, I love my practice. I had all female patients, I had five lady employees. And I hated seeing what was happening to girls yes. and to women and right. so forth. Yeah, because you saw the effects of things, but nobody was talking about how to prevent those effects from happening. Back in those days, they weren't. Nope. They really weren't. And so it was a privilege I had to start talking about this. And, and, and who, I mean, I'm just a doctor in Austin who gets on a national radio program with, with Jim Dobson and that sort of thing. And it did change uh, your life. Changed my life. Yeah. Changed my life totally. Left practice. Loved my practice. Loved my patients. Loved women uh, in the appropriate way. Yeah. Uh, I really did. To and be able to help, to be able to help still, them at a, at a very crucial time of I life. still hate seeing what's happened yes. to women today. Yes. Uh, back up as far as my own personal relationship with my kids. Uh, you know, one of the things that I heard from Chuck Swindoll about 
raising girls mm-hmm. or children. He said, you raise children in the way they should go, mm-hmm. and they will, and when they become old, they will return to it, yeah. or uh, however that's however he said that. But he said something that really made a difference to me in my understanding of my own kids. He said the way they should go, not the way you think they should go. Uh, and I think what Mary and I applied that, the way they should go, was the way we thought they should go. Okay. And Chuck said, look, what, what we're talking about here is you study your child. You know how that child's made. You study their personality. And when you really, really understand them, then you will help guide them in God's plan for their lives in the way they, as that individual young person, should go. And I don't think we understood that back when we were uh, raising our girls. Uh, Our girls are wonderful girls, but one of them was very different than the other two. And I think we sort of just threw her in the batch there and Mm. treated her the same way we treated the other two. And I think that things could have been better for her if we'd really understood who she is. Now, what does that have to do? with what we're talking about here about uh, let's just say about how girls grow up what i want is i want girls to know they are worthwhile Mm -hmm. they are worthy uh so they're worthy of understanding themselves uh and how they should behave because if they really respect themselves in a healthy way then they will make good choices they won't give in to what society is saying they should do uh, there's a book about girls when they go to college. They think they sp- are supposed to follow this script. There's good research on it. And yep. so they go ahead, and, for example, and have sex because they think that's just the script they have to follow right. when they get to college. What everybody does. I want girls to understand no. I want them to understand themselves, how much they're loved by their parents, how they can make a decision about what they should do, not mm-hmm. based on what somebody else tells them they should do or what the script is for girls that go to college. So you wrote a book for about um, that particular aspect dealing with young women uh, called yeah. Hooked. Right. Um, and I, th- I think it has a couple different names. We've talked about this before. But, but um, the, the version I read was called Hooked. Um, and it deals specifically, um, I think, from a parenting standpoint to help you understand um, that there are certain connectors that God has designed right within females mm-hmm. um, that help connect them to people. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you, you talk about just, you know, when a, when a young woman is, is touched intimately for 20 seconds or more, right, mm. her body releases oxytocin. Right. That hey, helps. you read the book. I did. Thank you. But it, <laughs> but it, it helps build a trust yeah. and a bond That's uh, right. between that person, right? And just kind of mm-hmm. that idea. And as you start thinking about that, you begin to realize, and you do a great job in the book of kind of saying, well, hey, th- this is how awesome it is that God mm-hmm. has given you that particular chemical and the way that it works. Yeah. Um, but this is how dangerous it can be as well. And so for for young people, right, realizing that you're dealing with not just intimate touch, but you're dealing with mm-hmm. young people who are actually engaged in sexual activity, right. um, that bond that is created is such a damaging thing mm-hmm. when it's not in the protective bonds of marriage. Yeah. Um, and it begins to, you realize, you know, our girls are not only hurt emotionally, spiritually, but you realize they're hurt physically as well mm-hmm. because the effects that they see years and years and years later. Yeah from that when they want to get married and they want to settle down Mm -hmm. and they want to have kids. And all of a sudden they realize the consequences, unfortunately for a lot of decisions they made when they were 16, 17, 18, that 30 year old woman can't even start a family. Yeah. 
Well, and I think this is really vital for parents uh, to understand what I talk about in that book. Yes. With their, with their child before that child goes through puberty. Uh, here's why I say that. Uh, like you say, there are the hormones in, in both the girl's brain and the boy's brain, the girl's body and the boy's body, mm-hmm. that have a lot to do with their, their behavior. Sure. Uh, and you mentioned one of them. Uh, when a, a girl is hugged for more than 20 seconds, this Dr. Brizendine out at UC San Francisco proved that oxytocin floods their their body, their brain, and it makes them trust the person that's hugging them. And so she literally says in her book where she talked about this research, girls, watch out when you hug a guy. That's right. Uh, be sure you know who they are. If you hug them for as long as 20 <laughs> seconds, you're going to trust them. Uh, and they've actually done studies on people doing card games that, that uh, with oxytocin, if they spray their nose with oxytocin, they're more likely to trust the people that they're playing against mm. uh, than if they haven't sprayed with oxytocin. So it's real. Yeah. It really is. Uh, the second thing that, uh, that I think that parents need to understand about girls, and of course I think the book's good for, for, uh, for adults to read too, when they're not married or even they are married, but uh, dopamine, everybody's heard about it. Mm-hmm. But when a kid or, or any of us that do something really exciting, yep. it really makes you want to keep doing that. Sure. I mean, the kid catches the football and wins the football game, and everybody cheers, and he gets that dopamine. And my goodness, the next game he plays, he wants to do that again, yes. right? Yes. Well, the same thing. I mean, sex, hugging, uh, the physical contact is really exciting dopamine just floods our our brains and and makes us want to repeat those physical contacts again right Uh, and just even kissing you know yeah the brain's flooded and so i think it's good for parents to understand this and i am not one that would say well kids shouldn't kiss ever uh you know when they're dating or but but i think that parents and and young people, too, need to understand that, boy, that, that dopamine floods out yeah. and, and really does impact their their next step in that relationship. Yeah. And, and the cool thing is God is the one who has designed these yeah. things. This, this isn't a product of the fall. Um, God no. has designed us for intimate relationships, um, and he's given us chemicals in our bodies that actually uh, facilitate those relationships to happen. We want those relationships. Yes. Otherwise, we wouldn't have kids. <laughs> Come yeah. on. <laughs> the world would have ended a long time ago. <laughs> but but the concept is is when scripture gives you particular parameters to use those things within, it does it to help you, not to hurt you. That's exactly um, right. And, and to, to give you the ability to enjoy mm-hmm. what God has created and designed. And, exactly. and so that it's a it becomes a helpful part of life, not a hurtful part of life. Yeah. And I think what you and I have seen, and especially um you know, with your medical institute for sexual health and all the things that you've seen, the the reality is is the world is not telling our young people the whole truth about all of human sexuality. Yes, it's, that's not, right. it's not teaching kids about yeah. that. I remember when we were in Austin, um, they were bringing in non-directive sex education. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I went to all the hearings and I was like, well, you know, uh, what in the world is non-directive sex education? And it's like, well, the teacher's a facilitator. Mm-hmm. Um, we have discussions about sexual activity right. uh, and the kids lead the discussions. And I was yeah. like, who in the world? So what, what are we talking about? Yeah. And, and, you know, that you're not there to make moral judgments. 
Um, the only person who can talk about sexual activity is, is the person who's engaged in it. And so a, a young person who's yeah. abstinent, a young person who's a Christian, who's walking with the Lord, doesn't have anything to share, doesn't have any value to add. And the teacher isn't there to instruct or to say, hey, Jimmy, that's not always true and that's not always right or that could be mm-hmm. harmful. You're just there. And I was like, this is the worst idea I've ever heard. Yeah. <laughs> and well, they wanted to adopt that that's into right, the dude. curriculum at the school district. Yeah. And I think one thing I, I love, for example, about Prestonwood mm-hmm. is that they are teaching parents to teach their kids. Right. The kids aren't in control. The right. parents aren't. But the parents aren't dictators to the kids either. They're educated parents. They know how to guide young people mm-hmm. without dictating to them. Because what they want is young people that then once they're out of high school and college have within themselves the ability to make good decisions. True. Including about who they ultimately, if they are to be married, most kids will be who who they might then marry. Yeah. But also the behavior that precedes that marriage. Yeah. Uh, and I think you're totally right. The thing that we that we know as believers is that God gives these guidelines for our good, right. not to limit us, not to make our lives less fun and pleasurable but for a purpose to make our lives even better. Let me just give you one example mm-hmm. that probably a lot of you people don't know, and that is that uh, the, Brookings, the Brookings Institute in Washington, D.C., which is a fairly liberal think tank, came up with the idea through research of what they call the success sequence. Okay. Brad Wilcox at the University of Virginia, a tenured professor there, whom I went, met, with, met with actually about a month ago, has taken that idea and has done really deep research on it, which it, and, and what the, the success sequence is, is that if a kid will just finish high school, mm-hmm. then get a job, even a minimum wage job, then get married, and then have his kids in that sequence, mm-hmm. only about 4% of them ever end up in poverty, and about 56% of them will end up either in the middle or upper class. I mean, it's dramatic. Sure. And, you know, that's really, you look in Scripture, that's exactly what Scripture is telling us to yes. do, really. I mean, Paul says we should work, right? Uh, this whole All the Scriptures talk about being married and having kids then. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, research shows the success sequence. Yeah. But the, but the order is important, as you're pointing exactly. out, because a lot of people will actually do all of those particular steps, but when they do them out of order, they want the same results. Uh, and Brad Wilcox has the research on that. Right. And I, I tell people all the time, it's like, it's, it's like, it's like putting on your yep. socks and shoes before you put on your pants. Yeah. You, you can, but it just makes it a lot more difficult. Yeah. <laughs> if you ha- finish high school, yes. get a job, get have babies, and then get married, about half of those will end up in poverty. Yes. And and unfortunately, then, the children born in those relationships are raised in poverty for a few years of their lives, and all the research shows that that is not very good for these kids. They right. will not achieve in the future. So you're, you're talking about not just the kids, the kids themselves that didn't get married, but then their children who don't do so well either. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the beauty of this is if we just love our kids, spend time with them, uh, share our our faith with them in the way that they should go, not just in the way we want to dictate to them in some rigid fashion. They'll just flourish, and yeah. that's that's what you and I and our parents want is for our kids to flourish. Yeah. 
Yep. And I always say, you know, my thing for parents is always you have to model it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, we, we just got yeah. done watching, you know, Top Gun Maverick right, oh, with Tom yeah. Cruise, oh, yeah. um, who I think they, they must have shot it at the same time they shot the first movie because he didn't age. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, there's no way. Well, Dan, you look the same you did 20 years ago. Very similar. So. <laughs> but one of the cool things is, is uh, you know, Tom Cruise in that particular movie mm-hmm. becomes the instructor. So mm-hmm. he's not the Top Gun pilot right. anymore. He's That's the instructor. Right. Yeah. Um, but the only way for him to demonstrate to his students mm-hmm. what needs to be done is for him to actually go out and do it himself. Yeah. And, right. and they need to see it. Yeah. And they need to see that you can be successful in doing it. And so mm-hmm. one of the things for our young people, um, I know I've talked to some parents and it's like, well, you know, they've made mistakes and they don't want to, you know, have their kids make the same mistake. I'm just like, fantastic. Then talk to them about it. Absolutely. Tell them how to do it and yeah. why it's right. Don't re yeah. don't, don't remove yourself from a conversation yeah. because you've done it wrong. Yeah. If you've done it wrong and know how damaged it can be, right, then you need to make sure that you help your kids understand, exactly here's right. why we do it the right way, and well, show them and what it looks one like. One thing, and I never quite thought of this thing that I'm going to say right now, Dan, is learn why you did it the wrong way. Exactly. So that you can explain to your don't just say, yeah, we did it, we made it, we, you know, we started having sex way before we got married or something like that. But sort of think through that, right. why you did that, and explain that to the kids, why that process for you ended up being really sort of damaging yeah. to you. And, and our kids so, are under the same pressures that we were, absolutely. right? Everybody wants to be popular, wants to be liked, mm-hmm. wants to be on the in crowd, wants to do, right? And you've, you begin to do what other people are doing as opposed mm-hmm. to saying, okay, what's the right, good, and true thing that I should be doing? Mm-hmm. What has God called me to do? Mm-hmm. And then asking yourself the effects of, well, if I, if I do something else, are there consequences? Yeah. And one of the amazing things about what your research showed, too, is the idea of sometimes the consequences don't happen immediately. That's right. Right? So when you yeah. used to go out and do a lot of training, right, yeah. on sexually transmitted diseases, right, it was the idea of, you know, you may have, you know, sex outside of marriage, mm-hmm. and then you may get an STD that doesn't show up for eight years, 10 years, you may get something that doesn't show up until you want to have a family. And it's like, you know, you've got 16 year old kids who are looking at you going, wait a second. (laughs) So you're saying what I do right next Friday, I may not, you know, have the full effects of until I'm 30 years old. You know, a very common sexual behavior now is oral sex. Mm -hmm. And human papillomavirus is a virus that causes almost well, 85% of cancer of the throat and mouth now from oral sex that kids get. They transmit a human papillomavirus. And the incidence of oral pharyngeal cancer is just skyrocketing right now. And the kids don't know that. Yep. They think, well, at least it's not sexual intercourse, but they're having oral sex and it's producing cancer. They don't know that. Uh, and so I think it's some things. And also I think the other thing, Dan, uh, you have a background in, in uh, understanding pornography. And so this is another big problem for young people today. Yes. Almost all young people by the age of 20 have seen porn. And we're not talking about airbrush uh, yeah. centerfolds. Yeah. For, <laughs> From the 70s and 80s. No, we're, yeah. we're not. Pornography today, right, is... It's it's know, really young kids getting yeah. raped to death on video yeah. and then that being uh, very, sent very all over. De- degrading. It's very deep yeah, and yes. dark. Almost, almost an anti-intimacy... Yeah. Uh, Right, you know, imagery of, yeah. of, of what. So you know, there is. are things like that yep. that that are there, uh, and so accessible. And I don't have a perfect answer for that. I don't know if you do, but but uh, I think it's just good that parents are aware of that particular very dark problem for young people today. Yeah, um, and it can be addicting, just like 
physical contact, just like kissing, it causes the dopamine, and that pornography does the same thing. And that's yep. why some kids can get addicted to yep. it. Yeah. When I talk to young boys so, about the issue of pornography, yeah. right, a very, very simple and simplistic example mm-hmm. um, I always talk about is this, if, if you wanted to go get a candy bar. Yeah. And you went into, you know, a convenience store and I said, hey, can, I'm just going to get this candy bar. How much is it? And if the clerk said, don't worry about it, right, come back later and pay for it, right, you'd be like, oh, that's kind of weird. But, oh, okay, right. Well, what if you came back after a year and the clerk said, hey, that candy bar, right, it's $10,000. You'd be like, <laughs> it's, it's $1.50. What are you kidding? And he's like, no, no. It was a dollar fifty then, right? But the payment later yeah. is a balloon oh, payment. It's so much higher. That is such concept, a good. Right, the concept yeah, of exactly. pornography is. Hang, hang on. It, yeah. It's not that big of a deal now when you're 16 mm-hmm. watching it. Okay. <laughs> but later, when you want to have a real intimacy and a real closeness with a real individual, that pornography has short circuited those things in your brain mm-hmm. that it has an inability to do that. Yeah. Right. And the cost that you have now is yeah. the inability to really get close to a person that you love. Yeah. And that, right. It's like, well, if it I know, if I had known, right, if I'd known that, that I wouldn't yeah. have gotten it. Right. Yeah. Just like you wouldn't have paid 10 grand for a candy bar if he told yeah. you what it was going to cost you then. Yeah. But that's the thing that the 16 year old brain isn't thinking about the what is this going to affect me when I'm 26? That's right. That's right. right? When I when I actually have to go pay for this, what yeah. is this going to be? And it's like it's way more. Yeah. And, you know, you've you've heard it said before. Right, that you know, sin costs you more than you want to pay. Yeah, that's right? right. You know, yeah. keeps you longer than you wanted to stay. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right, um, yeah. and so that that idea is right. When you look at why God wants to keep us from things that are outside mm-hmm. of His purview and protection, mm-hmm. is because He knows the damage is going to be way more than we could handle, yep, way exactly more than right. we could ever you know to, to think about. But at the same but time, the, his design for us is way better than we could ever imagine. It we, absolutely is. We don't know what a, when we're 16, right? We don't know what a wonderful, true intimacy in marriage mm-hmm. really could be mm-hmm. until we're actually married. Yeah. Right. So why would you save yourself from, you know, for sex for marriage if you don't know how great and valuable marriage is? That's yeah. why it's so important for that family to demonstrate right. and to model right yeah. that wonderful picture of what a great relationship looks like yeah you know we don't want parents to be just terrified uh i mean they could be terrified if they just think about (laughs) pornography out there and this horrible thing which it is yes getting a hold of their daughter or their son and destroying their lives which it could uh and as i'm sitting here thinking about that and just about this whole subject you know i think uh, parents but the idea that that is best is start talking with your children. Mm-hmm. Talk with them from when they're little kids. Be open with them about things. Discuss them. Discuss the issues, the problems, the the beauty of a relationship with Jesus and the and the life that He can lead. But also just these these dangers out there, uh, and, and what sex is, what marriage is all about. Yep. So these conversations all the time in the car when they're taking them places at the dinner table it's time for real deep conversations with kids yeah at the and, level they can understand right I, I always talk to parents about the idea of we used to go down to you know the state fair 
And, uh-huh. and the very first thing when you walk into the state fair is the midway, mm-hmm. right? Of all the games that, yeah. you know, have all the prizes, mm-hmm. you know, and you're going to spend a dollar to win the big bear. But the answer is, you you know, the kinds, you're not going to really spend a dollar to win the big bear. Mm-hmm. You're, you're going to spend $60 and you're going to walk away with nothing. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> so, exactly. so knowing that, yeah. right, how do you keep your kids from trying to, you know, go and play all the mm-hmm. different midway mm-hmm. games? Well, our thing was always... We have a goal that we're going to go to, right? We want to go see this or we want to go see that. And Mm -hmm. we have to make it past the midway Mm -hmm. to get to what we're there for. Mm -hmm. And so when the kids say, hey, can we stop here and play this game or shoot this? So the point wasn't to say no to everything. The point was to say, hey, well, we got to go do this thing that we want to do first, Mm -hmm. right? But my guess is that in the car on the way, you were saying, look – you're going to be distracted by all this stuff. Get but distracted. We can't get that go. That's we're right, after. But we're going to go here and see this first. If y'all start, but, and then, but be and warned. Then, right, and then once you get to the goal, it. right, then the, mm-hmm. the little distractions are minimized yes. and put in their place. That's and right. so if we talk to our kids about the goals of what mm-hmm. God has for them, mm-hmm. right, and the incredible things that mm-hmm. he has planned for them. Um, yeah. Then what the enemy tries to bring in, right? The little, you know, midway games mm-hmm. and the cotton candy, right? You go, eh, you yeah. know what? It, that's not going to last. That's not going to be something I can build yeah. my life on. Yeah. It's easier to say no to something if I've said yes to something greater. Yeah. And that's the big point we have to do with our kids. All right. So we study our kids from the time they were born. Yep. How they were made by God. God gave them that personality that, that, if you want to talk about Dobbs's book, The Strong-Willed Child yes. or The Child That's Not Strong-Willed, <laughs> we study them, we learn sure. about who they are, how they respond, how they listen, how mm-hmm. they act. At the dinner table, all through those years, we talk, start talking about real-life things, that's right. not just piddly stuff. We warn them about things that might come along. Mm-hmm. We also tell them the beauty of what Life can be in Christ, even when they're teenagers. Uh, you know, life is fun if they can can live it the way we talk to them about yeah. over the dinner table yeah. or when we're driving along. Yeah. Christianity is not about not having fun. No, absolutely <laughs> it not. It is about, and C.S. Lewis wrote a lot about that concept, sure right? We just, we just settle for a yeah. lessened version, yeah. Yeah. right? Instead yeah. of, right, you know, Lewis would write about, oh, you, yeah. know, the, the, you know, the the time at the, the beach, right? And we're over here making, you know, mud castles in the, yep. in the you know, the dirt, right? That's right. And it's just that idea of we, we've, we've not truly grasped the mm-hmm. greatness of God's plan for our life. Mm-hmm. So we settle for this, you know, sea level version of it. Yeah. And, and, you know, the world looks at it and it's like, well, I don't want your Christianity because it doesn't look any different than my life mm-hmm. here. And you're like, ooh. And, and you realize that, yeah, if I really had the peace and the patience and the, um, the goodness and the self-control, if I really had the fruit of the Spirit and could live this thing out, mm-hmm. right, I would look very different from the world. Yeah. And it would be a much different existence. Yeah. Right? And our kids would see that and they'd say, hey, I want that. Yeah. Right. And that's what I think for, you know, our young people, especially as we're moving into a particular culture where, as we talked about marriage, mm-hmm. um, people are getting married later mm-hmm. or not at all. Mm-hmm. in this particular culture. Mm-hmm. And I just think from a right, raising a generation of young people to understand the value mm-hmm. of intimate relationships, of saving yourself you know, from uh, sexual activity until marriage, and then yeah. having a marriage that can really be a profound example to the rest of the world of what that relationship can look like. Yeah. I think it's going to be a profound way to really witness to a lost and dying culture so yeah. who Christ is. I think you're right. Because they'll see, hey, I, I want that. That's different than yeah. right this... Um, you know, picture of what intimacy looks like through pornography. That's not true intimacy. 
Right. That, you don't even, destructive. Right. You don't even. Yeah. You don't yeah. even know people's names yeah. or. I mean, there's. You know, it's it's not human. That's right. But people want to be known and to know. That's right. They do. And and that God has designed yeah. a way for that to happen. Exactly so right. For our kids to know that, for us to raise them in that way, and then mm-hmm. for them to live it out in this particular culture, mm-hmm. I think it's going to have transformation. Right. That that we've never seen before. Among the people that aren't Christian, mm-hmm. they don't have that. Right. I, I truly believe that that when we believe in Jesus Christ, he comes into us. Our lives are different. The joy we have, I think, is different. Mm-hmm. I've been talking to a, to a person who said, you know, I see these people that are believers and they have this glow about them. Yeah. I'm going, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I think that that's really important. Uh, can I say as far as relating to kids and spending time with them, could mm-hmm. I say a mistake that I think Mary and I made? Okay. By the way, Mary and I were married 58 years. As I mentioned a while ago, she died of Alzheimer's four years ago. I mm-hmm. love that woman. Mm-hmm. She is incredible. But I think we, were, we, we, we helped start two churches in Austin. Okay. Grace Covenant Church and Westlake Bible Church is now called the, the Ridge. Yep. There's, there's uh, actually today, there's actually three churches in Austin. So you started two of them. I'm just kidding. <laughs> there, there are not but, very many good Bible-believing churches. So in you know, too. we were sort of mommy and daddy of the churches, and so we went to we we just had to be at church every Sunday yeah, morning, yeah. and and I was working. I was had a very busy medical practice, mm-hmm. and I, I I have been jealous of people I know who took off with their kids and just took off on a Sunday and went to the beach. And did things like that with them or took off and took a two-day driving trip. Or, yeah. I'm sorry, a two-week driving trip with yeah. them just to spend time spend with time them. Spend time together as a family. I, we didn't do that enough. Yeah. And I, and so I would highly encourage, you know, the people we're talking to here probably right now are probably pretty high-performing people. Yes. And they're working hard. Yes. And they're probably running things, even at Preston Woods Academy mm-hmm. and Take off some time with the kids, okay? Yeah. Just take them out of school even if you need to for a few days. Yeah, yeah. there's a great book out there called A Life Well-Lived. I think it's Russ mm. Crossan. I don't mm-hmm. even know if you can get the book anymore. But the one thing he says is um, what, whatever your top priorities are, if the things that you're doing are not making you better in advancing those top priorities, you need to really reconsider what you're doing. For example, um, if you're a believer mm-hmm. and you're doing things that are putting your Christian faith in a compromising situation, you need to reevaluate that. Mm-hmm. He's like, if your family is your priority, but your job is taking things away from your family, yeah. you need to reevaluate that. And it's just the question that he's asking, right? Yeah. Is, what are your top priorities? Now, yeah. he, he'll say, you need to probably be honest with yourself that if you keep on saying that your Christianity and your family are your top priorities, but the time that you're spending is actually undermining those things, he's like, those probably aren't your top priorities. Yeah. It looks good on paper, yeah. but in reality, the practical aspect, if you're spending right all this time at work and that's where you're successful, right? but your family is giving up those things for you to be successful there, he's like, your top priority is really your business. Yeah. So just, just well, you know, admit that's, it. That's exactly on. right. But I think sometimes we don't sort of think that. Sure. Through. I don't sure. think Mary and I did. Yeah. Uh, and time with the kids can nothing takes the place of time with the kids. Nope. Period. Yep. Uh, just 
living life with them yep. and being out with not, them, not having just quality fun with time. them. That's right. Not that's quantity exactly time. what and I quanti- mean. Quality time happens when quantity time's there. That's right? exactly it just, right. It just happens. The conversations happen. The memories yep. happen. Right. It, it is that constant drip. Exactly. Right. When you think your kids aren't listening, here's yeah. the deal. They are listening. Yeah. They're listening to everything. Everything is absorbed into them. And so right. the more time everything. you spend, yes, with them. Uh, the better off that it is. And that's so, that's also why amen. what you said a while ago, Dan, living authentic lives mm-hmm. before them as examples. Yep. But then they have to be with you. You have to get out there and go and go driving for a couple <laughs> of weeks or whatever, you know, yeah. so they can actually see that you're living an authentic life. You know, it's funny that you say like drive, right? Because now mm-hmm. the, the idea is, um, how can I take a, a <laughs> shortcut? Um, you know, take hop on a plane and get to the beach as fast as possible. Yeah. Well, here's the deal. The, the car ride mm-hmm. is is the time together. That's right. You know, the memories are made. And I know that it's, you know, oh, the fighting in the backseat and are I we there know. yet and all yeah. that things. But, yeah. right, to spend time with your kids just being yeah. together, yeah. right? Playing the and family I said games, drive, And right? I did say drive and on purpose. Is. You're you right. Just drive on purpose. Because I was get in the car pilot. I've, all of our vacations were in this Cherokee 6 I flew. And uh, all of us now say, we really like driving yeah. because we get to spend time together. You get to see everything yes. around in the landscape. There's, so, there's something and about family time so, yeah. right, that just needs to, <laughs> needs to have some difficulty thrown in with it. Yeah. And, and those are the memories that are made. That's so right. That's, that's fun. Yeah. What else from um, just the, the book in terms of um, the importance of what we talked about earlier, just kind of raising girls? Any mm-hmm. other advice that you'd give to parents or wisdom that give to parents about just kind of raising those young people. You raise three daughters. Anything yeah. else? Well, uh, you know, one thing that they're that, that the brain is so amazing, and, mm. and this just is one thing that that pops into my mind as you say that. Uh, <coughs> a scientist in Italy discovered years ago, and I do mention it in the book that they're connector neurons, mm-hmm. so that when a a kid doesn't have to memorize how to pick up a fork. Right. He doesn't have to memorize how to open his mouth to put food in. Mm-hmm. When he w- observes his mom or his dad doing things, it immediately connects in his brain how to do that. That's amazing. It's it's just absolutely yeah, just phenomenal. Just think about that, right? <laughs> because if a kid uh, had to memorize every single action, then he would – be so stuck in trying to memorize things you'd never be able to do anything right. but but god made us so that so that we pick up from the other person what what we see them doing that has tremendous implications mm. all the way through when you when you talk about living lives before kids that are authentic they pick that up in ways that we don't even realize right. they're picking it up yep so you're absolutely right on Dan when you talk about the fact that we have to live before them the way we'd like for them to to live because they Pick it up uh, even unconsciously. So, I mean, think about this, that that anger that you demonstrate, Mm -hmm. right, Um, Mm -hmm. as your your coping mechanism and how Mm -hmm. you deal with things. Mm -hmm. Your kids are picking that up. Absolutely. Um, You know, those things that you do, um, Mm -hmm. you you know, as as your kids understand how damaging they are. Mm -hmm. So I I talk about this, you know, um, there's a great book out there called um, Between Two Worlds, Inner Lives of Children of Divorce. Mm -hmm. And just as kids walk through the difficulty of watching Mm -hmm. their parents go through a divorce, Mm -hmm. um, they pick up certain life skills um, that unfortunately when they get married and want to have a, um, you know, a connection and a relationship themselves, Mm -hmm. they don't realize that a lot of things that they've picked up, a lot of those tools in their tool belt um, that they wish that they didn't have 
are just there of That's learned exactly skills, right? Yeah. right? Uh, I remember reading a story about, you know, children of alcoholics. Mm-hmm. They would all tell you, yeah, my, you know, my parents were alcoholics, my dad was an alcoholic, whatever, and it was a terrible thing. But a lot of them become alcoholics. That's right. Because they picked up on those particular skills, those particular well, that's, attitudes. That's amazing, really. It is. And yeah. even if they don't want it, yeah. you don't realize your brain has already is seen it. Absorbing right? That. They've absorbed it. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you begin to act out in ways. Now, yeah. can can you change that? And the answer is absolutely well, yes. Of course you that's can. A, it's one of the great things about the brain. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? that's right. It, is, you know, it can be molded and shaped. And that's yeah. why when Scripture tells you that idea of you need to have the renewing of your mind, mm-hmm. it's not just saying, um, you know, get rid of, you know, wrong information that you've been taught. Let's yeah. Get rid of things that have been imprinted on the brain that you've seen that mm-hmm. aren't helpful. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And the we, brain, the brain that. is like a moldable clay. Yep. It does change yes. and physically change. Even at our You can age. see it with scans. <laughs> well, in the book, as a matter of fact, I mentioned all the way through life, all it's still way. moldable That's right. Right, up to, right up to death. Thank yeah. goodness for somebody it my age. It is. It's, but it's an amazing thing I that mean, God has created yeah. us with that oh, ability it's, it's, that um, we're not stuck in something that we've yeah, seen yeah. that we can actually change. Yeah. And now, it can take we're, time. Right, we're not stuck in something that we've done. That's right. We can change. But you're right. It, it, it can, can it take can time. It can take time, but it can happen. But it can happen. If we are in intent on it. Um, one of the best books I think ever written was by Scott Peck called The Road Less Traveled. Yes. And he talks in the first half. The last half, he goes sort of nuts. He did become a Christian, okay. I think, as a result of writing that book. But in the first half, I, he, he talks about how we just need to realize that we need to change. That's the essence of what he says in there. Uh, and it's a brave person that's willing to face that. So it can happen. Now, back to one other thing. When you say, were, were there other thoughts about raising children? Yes. Uh, as I said, we, Mary and I were both committed Christians from the time we, we married, mm-hmm. uh, raised children in that environment. I don't think we, I guess I'd use the word apologetics. I don't think we really discussed the, the fundamentals of faith. Mm-hmm. From the apologetic perspective, like we perhaps should have, learning how to defend have. your faith, right? What are, where well, are things going to push back on it? But but even for my own self, okay. learning how to defend it to myself. Hmm. Why do I really believe that Jesus was raised from the dead? Because yep. that's of course our fundamental, the fundamental thing in yeah. our whole Christian. Faith. It didn't really matter if you believe it or not. He was so. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> just, you know, but, that, but that's the, that's the concept. But do you see we, what I mean? Yeah, but we because spend so much if, time if, on focusing if, on our beliefs. Yeah. The, the, the idea is, is it true or not? Yeah. Because if and, it's true, and, you would be wise to believe it. And yeah. if it's false, you would be a fool to believe it. So by the question the, is, is, is it exactly true? Right. And the answer is, it if, is. If by the time you're 12 years old and yep. being raised by Christian parents, if, you don't, if you're not able to refute to somebody who says, oh, Christ really didn't die, to say, well, no, 500 witnesses saw him alive sure. after resurrection. If, yeah. if you can't People do gave that, their life for right this then, particular you know, thing that they experienced. Right? right? How many people give their life for a lie? Yeah. There, there are not a whole lot of them. <laughs> but how many kids leave the faith after they go off to college? Yeah. I mean, the statistics are horrible. Yeah. And like a lot of it, 50, they say, 60 percent right, is because they're hearing things for the first time, unfortunately, that they yeah. hadn't heard in their home yeah. or at their church or in their school, yeah. right? which is why those conversations you said are around the That's dinner right. table, those conversations to There's say, so- here's some things that you're going to hear. Here's some pushback on, on you know, what yeah. people might say. Right? How do we defend that? What mm-hmm. do we believe? 
right? And ground yeah. them in the faith. And that's right in the middle of what you do, David. And I'm so thankful it's, for what you're doing. It's so good. It, so, is, it saves kids' lives. I love it. Spiritual lives. I love it. Well, Dr. Joe, I appreciate your time. I appreciate what you do. <laughs> Um, you know, I, I know that you're you're still um, active uh, in you know writing and uh, doing some some great creative things. Thank you. Uh, and so I just uh, I, appreciate I, I appreciate a life uh, well lived uh, mm, and a ministry you. and a legacy uh, yeah. that has touched right thousands and tens of thousands of people. Uh, and, and my life is one of those anyway. that's appreciative of thanks, that. Dan. So thanks for your time. God bless. Thank you. Thank you for investing the time to listen to this episode of The Journey. Please take a minute to share with friends and family who will also benefit from this valuable resource. And don't forget to rate and review this podcast on your favorite podcast app. It is truly our blessing and honor to walk with you on The Journey.